You're listening to the TV Obsessive channel, presented by tvobsessive.com. Hello, welcome back to the TV Obsessive podcast, episode 28. My name is Ryan Kirksey, a writer contributor to the site, and I'm joined, as always, by Cameron Crane. He's the executive editor. He's the puppet master. He pulls all the strings. Cameron, how are you today? Doing pretty well. Yeah, the marionette um, <laughs> master. Right. I, 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 I love that. But we'll cut that. <laughs> yeah, we're tvobsessive.com. Hope you check out the site. Um, so we're here on December 26th to talk about Fargo Season 5, Episode 7, uh, which aired tonight. We can put this out right after the episode aired, as we have been doing. Um, given that it's the holidays and all of that, we're going to break a little bit from our usual format. We're gonna, no news and notes and, and, and chit-chat, what have you, uh, on this one. We're just going to jump right into talking about Fargo, get this out for you. Um, hopefully you've been listening along all season, and then we'll pick up next week. You sort of go back to the usual one. Yeah, it'll be a little bit shorter one. You know, we've got family to ignore, we got presents to unwrap, we got things, things, things to do. Yeah, yeah, indeed. And then imagine others do uh, <laughs> as well. It's a it's a weird week, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, this and, is this is this will be a nice uh, length of you want to go take a walk and get away from everybody. You just will uh, we'll keep it nice and short for you. Right. Yeah. So okay. So given that. We're just going to jump into talking about Fargo here. So big spoiler warning before we do for Fargo season five, episode five, uh, the title of this episode being Linda, which I'm sure we'll talk about along with other things. But do note here, the spoilers are on the table uh, for everything in Fargo through this episode, uh, tonight's episode. Um, so you're free to listen if you haven't watched it. You know, <laughs> Everyone's free. You know, but, um, you know, just kind of rambling here to say, you know, again, spoiler warning if you want right, to, right? Oops, and then and, and, and you know, drop drop out before we tell you what <laughs> happens in in a relatively eventful episode, I think. So yes, we're start talking about it now. Well, here we go, episode seven of season five, Linda. Uh, we didn't see any of Daughter Nadine in episode six, but this is heavy story for her in episode seven. She is on the run, and Dot slash Nadine tracks down. The woman named Linda who brought her into Roy Tillman's house. Uh, Linda is apparently another escapee who has started a secluded or secret camp for other battered women to bond, tell their stories, for escape the lives that they had before. After first relenting, Dot agrees to go along with the purpose of the camp, which is to make her own puppet and retell her story. And that helps convince Linda to go back with her so that they can at least legally take down Roy Tillman. Um, but we learned soon after that uh, this was all a dream. A drowsy dot had sort of nodded off at a diner where she was eating. And I guess none of this was actually real. She wakes up, goes outside, and there's a huge car you know, crash, explosion. It's snowing and the semi goes out of control. Yeah. yeah. And she is hit. She is knocked unconscious and wakes up in a hospital where it turns out that they have contacted her former husband, Roy, who is there and has found her. Meanwhile, uh, Roy's son, Gator, just continues to impress with his levels of incompetence by shooting the wrong guy, killing the woman that Munch was staying with while he's on the hunt for uh, for him. 
So we have his story to track down. And then in some more sweet and tender moments, Wayne and Scotty bond as, as they wait for Dot to come home. So this was the episode. They, uh, they new hearted us. They sang elsewhere to us by giving us this really powerful story and then calling it all a, all a dream. Um, thoughts on that as a storytelling device there, Cameron? Yeah. So I, I think it makes sense to talk about that first a bit and, I guess I want to start even like a step before that in terms of um, saying something about my enjoyment of the episode or or lack thereof. I I don't know about you, but I found this episode to be very frustrating. I did too. Um, Not to say say that it's bad, you know, that's not the claim I'm making, but I didn't really enjoy it. Um, (laughs) Maybe you enjoyed it more than I did. I'm looking forward to talking it through because one of the reasons I like doing stuff like this, writing on TV and, and doing the podcast with you and so on is that um, sometimes it's the case that in doing so I appreciate things more. Yeah, you know what exactly. I mean? And I think that might be the case here because Fargo's a good show. Um, so yeah, it was a dream. I mean, it was a little bit um, a tiny bit ambiguous, but maybe it wasn't. I mean, it's very much framed. We saw her early in the, in the episode at that diner She'd been dozing off in her car. She got those pancakes, you know. So I think that that is um, relatively explicit in the framing and direction of the episode. But Dot herself is confused. Yeah. Which I guess we'd have to read as her dream having been so vivid that even when she wakes up in the hospital, she's asking about Linda. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong on my timeline here. When she goes to the oil rig and finds the postcard that's pre-diner am i right about that no i believe it was after that that's after the diner okay i should so, have double checked this apparently. so again so it's kind of the situation remembering of, oppositely yeah is linda real or or not real you know based on when the timeline of that postcard is could be an actual story or not see i mean i think linda's a real person yeah you know i think the episode establishes that but I was wondering about her going to the oil rig, and I was wondering why she went to the oil rig. Um, and in my memory, I think that's in the dream already. If we're if we're interpreting the big long segment as a dream, um, should have gone back and checked that for sure. But yeah, I think you, that's the you, case. You talk a little bit more about uh, about that. I'm I'm checking as we as we. Oh, all right, yeah. hold <laughs> up, hold up, yeah, check. Um, <laughs> Well, I mean, it matters because, look, how do we interpret this? I thought there was a real question, remains a real question, about what Dot was doing there. And that whole scene where she goes to the oil rig, I think, remains something of a a question. You know, there's something to interpret here. She goes there, there's a hole, it's covered up with metal right um and then underneath the metal and this is like the, the absolute middle of nowhere yeah and underneath the metal there's a bunch of rocks yes and then one of the one of the rather large rocks is actually a container that she opens up um so i don't know about you but i was the first thing that occurred to me was that it was a gun 
that she was going after. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So my, my thought is, okay, the, the things she needs, if she ever has to escape her go bag or wh whatever it is, the things that she needs to sort of keep her, her life a secret or escape from something are buried in this place that she can go get it. And I, I have just confirmed the first time we see Dot in this episode, she is in the diner. So everything after that is presumably after she has nodded off, including going to the oil rig and seeing the postcard. We don't we don't we see her driving and dozing off before she goes to the we diner? See, yeah, yeah. So we see okay. her driving, we see her arrive at the diner and, and then at, then oil rig after that. Because I think that she actually sees a postcard for the Utopia camp on the wall of the diner. Okay. Um I did I, I noticed that. Um so you know, so so it, it, it's kind of pretty weird because now we're saying, okay, it's a dream. But I feel like we have to presume that is a real place. Yeah. Do you agree? I mean, it it seemed to me like she was looking for something else. And instead she found the postcard from Linda that says, I'm sorry. Does that how it landed for you? Or yeah, it, it does it does seem that way because it, it's almost like you know, it's like the Zeowatneo postcard in, in Shawshank Redemption. He sends him something, it's postmarked from a place, you know, so he knows where he is. But there, there's no point in burying that, hiding that. It, it doesn't, you know, no one's coming for that or no one's looking for it. So, you know, so why would you, out in the middle of nowhere, as you said, bury this this postcard? So it's almost like, does Linda know about something else she put there? And she put this I'm sorry card there after she raided that stash or took whatever it was, or, you know, that's her way to invite Dot to where she is. That That's sort of the sense I got as well. That was the sense that I got. Now, in retrospect, we say, well, this was an extended dream sequence. Mm -hmm. um, how do we read this? I, I'm still prone to think that it's a real place. I'm, I guess I'm still prone to thinking that it's something else that she buried there, that she'd be going there to look for, because as you said... Yeah. Wouldn't make any sense for her to be looking for that postcard. Wouldn't make any sense at all, right? Um, and indeed, this is maybe our first clue in a sense that this is a dream because it's wonky in its logic. Yeah. You know? Um. So I think that remains a question. And then, well, let's. I mean, let's talk about the dream. You know, yeah. because what's interesting when a show does something like this. It's really extended is um you say, well, okay, that was just a dream, but it would be wrong to say, well, it doesn't matter or something like that because it wasn't real. Clearly this matters. We get filled in Dot's backstory, but there's some other stuff going on here too to talk about. Like what's going on with this camp? Yeah, I'm glad you said that because I, it would it would shock me if Fargo somehow came out through the next three episodes and said none of this was real, none of it happened, or this is not a real person, or this backstory wasn't what actually happened to her. I mean, it would just be, okay, you just wasted a 50-minute episode. Of, you know, what was the point of this? Um, so, I, yeah, it would shock me if they came out and, and that was the revelation there. Yeah, I mean, I think that the point at least is to give us the backstory. Yeah. But we don't even know. We don't even know if that camp is real. Right. Uh, I think we can presume Linda's real. I don't know if we even know for sure that Dot set out in search of Linda. Maybe. Yeah, that's one thing we don't know now that we know the timeline of 
diner oil rig postcard camp, was that what she was looking for? Or is this sort of the thing that she needed to do something, know something, be motivated to pursue something um, and give us as viewers the background of what actually happened to her. You know, similar, again, this is pushed up against what we saw at the very end of season six or episode six, but the last thing we see is that file open and all these pictures of Dot just beaten and bruised and bloody, right? So combined with this episode, it gives us this full story of what's happened to her. Right, so I'm thinking, and part of this is a matter of thinking, what could Fargo, the TV show, do to kind of resolve some of these ambiguities in the future? I, I'm thinking the oil rig location is a real location mm -hmm. that we'll eventually return to, and that will start answering maybe some of these questions. I'm thinking that Linda's a real person who did indeed leave, and that yeah. that backstory is true, but I don't think we know for sure anything further. Like, Maybe the whole idea that what Linda did was go and found a camp where she helps other Lindas, mm -hmm. other abused women, right? They all go by Linda, and 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 maybe all of that um, is just a fantasy. Yeah, because again, I, I believe you do see the postcard for the camp in the diner. Yeah, you know, so maybe this is all just her subconscious mind confabulating but it is rather elaborate and a lot of heaven imagery right just everything is pristine there it's in this white location saint linda um you know just sort of a idyllic we share everything we do everything for one another right so just sort of this have to go to a place have to learn that there are other people that share your story and this is something that you know again we're left with this cliffhanger at the end of the episode what does that now mean dot can do is capable of doing or will do with roy yeah i mean, I mean that's it. the episode is also frustrating because the end <laughs> is so yeah unenjoyable in narrative terms <laughs> yeah um but yeah so i mean if we're thinking about this as a dream someone like sigmund freud would say dreams are you know a matter of wish fulfillment mm -hmm. um although it's a bit more complex than that uh that could fit here, I think. Yeah. You know, yeah. what, what I would like to believe is that Linda has this part of Gold where she's gone up and has saved and helped other people. And then, of course, it wouldn't be so easy as arriving and saying, hey, I need you to leave here and help me because she's so committed to helping these other women, right? right. Um, but maybe none of that's the case, you know? Yeah, you're right. Now that you should piece those things together, she is so, at least in this dream or in this version of reality, she is so committed to helping these other people. And what world would she actually leave to go, you know, to go confront someone when she's got another mission, which is to help all these other, these other people. Um, but it's almost like Dot is running. She's hiding. She's trying to get away. It's like she needs a someone to tell her, yeah, let's go back. You know, you've confronted the things. Let's go back and do the work you need to do. Um, whether there's someone there literally next to her or next to her in, ter in terms of just, you know, spiritually or metaphorically, that's something that Dot needs to go do. Yeah, I do wonder because she told Indira that she needed her to watch Scotty for a couple of days. Mm -hmm. So it does kind of seem like Dot has a plan. Yes. You know, Um but what is that? I'm just trying to point out. I think meaningfully it's in question. Yeah. And if it's, you know, 
if her plan was to find Linda, um, how does she know where Linda is? If the dream's just a dream, I don't know. It's just it's it's really yeah. the yeah. fact that all of that's a dream sequence. You know, muddies the water significantly. Yeah, and what's the end game when the police, the FBI, several other <laughs> groups and agencies and people are looking for her? Um, what does she think will happen if she comes back with with Linda? Yeah, and I mean also yeah because that's the other thing that I found a bit frustrating as it was going before realizing it was a dream is that she wants Linda to go back with her to testify to the authorities and mm -hmm. so on. I mean, if you think about everything that we've seen so far, she's entirely been trying to keep the authorities out of it. Exactly. And it's not though clear that she would even need Linda. Exactly. If, I mean, if she were to go to Indira, if she were to go to those FBI agents and really... Yeah, they, they've got a police file. They've got the person who experienced it. What you know, this whole theme of this show to this point has been that we don't trust the authority. The authority is not the ones that are going to get the right things done. Um, why, why would, yeah, why would Dot feel like that's the path they need to take to take down? She seems like more, I want to set a trap for him and get rid of him once and for all. That's the type of person she seems to me. Right. And so maybe that is, maybe her, her plan is more like that. And then yeah. the dream is of somehow being able to do this in the right way. And Linda is out there yeah. as a sort of lost mother figure for mm -hmm. her in a way. Um, and so there's also that aspect of, and then, you know, still in the dream, she asked Linda in the car, why didn't you take us with you? Yeah. Um, and she said, well, okay, you can, you know, you'll tell me when you're ready or whatever. Yeah. That was right before she wakes up more or less. Um, so there's that too. I mean, she was basically abandoned by this woman who had taken her in, yeah. but then she also feels just kind of put her right into, um, the situation with Roy and again, yes. almost used that in order to get away herself. And, you know, there's a lot of. I mean, here. Also I mean th yeah, three things. I mean, number one, bring her into that situation when she understands what's going on there. Number two, setting up an environment where the two of them can be alone. And then number three, abandoning her. You know, it's like, I got some problems with the way you've done this, Linda. If that's yeah. what actually happened. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like to some extent, now that we know it's a dream in particular, is this the way that Dot wants to believe that Linda is actually good? Mm -hmm. And maybe we'll find out down the line that while Linda's real and out there, she's not like this at all. Right. Yeah. You know? um, so that should say Kari Matchett, Carrie Matchett as, as Linda. Yeah. It'd be great if she came back. Very good, subtle, subdued performance. But yeah, that'd be interesting if she sort of came back as a, you know, another, another tiger as it were. Right. Or she's just off. Yeah. doing whatever and it's like <laughs> no i'm not gonna help you what are you talking about you know she's a bad person um you want to talk about the camp a little bit more talk about the puppets sure uh, yeah it yeah. was kind of interesting what, what do you think of this uh like therapeutic technique i suppose we could call yeah it? and i don't certainly know much about um you know whether or how much or to what extent this is done with you know patients people that have actually gone through this but you know sort of a 
it's it's obviously a shameful thing that they're talking about. It's not shameful that they've done, but shameful that they've experienced it. They're embarrassed by it. They it defines them, and so it's a way of showing these ladies what has happened without having to put their you know their faces out there. You know, sort of like this um, kind of the the in a, a parallel world, sort of an alcoholics anonymous, where you are there upfront, accountable, what you've done. This is sort of a, I've experienced it. I'm ashamed by it. It's defined me for so long. Let me tell you my story without having to sort of put myself myself literally inside of it. I'll put a representation of myself. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. You know, you know? Making to so put the time in, make the puppet, mm-hmm. and that then there the idea seems to involve a certain kind of separation from that past identity, right? You're imbuing yeah. that into the puppet and then you're going to let that go yeah. and ultimately take on a new name. Yeah, which take, on got, a, take on a new name. Yeah. And if, I think they say that some people leave this place um, and presumably they leave their puppet behind. So sort of that, that symbolic act as well. I don't think we know that for certain, but I mean, that would make sense. Yeah, I mean, there is a question, of course. Again, it's not real. I guess it's not real. You know, <laughs> there is a question of these other windows walking around. You know, like have they just not chosen their new name yet, or what? Yeah. Um, but uh, I do think, given all of this and um, her affirmation of herself as now Dorothy, um, you know that that we should respect mm. that and refer to her as Dorothy or, or Dot, um, because she's precisely say I'm, I'm not dating you know so yeah. yeah um it's interesting very interesting i was i was stunned i had no idea how to interpret it when she walks into the place and they they're putting on a puppet puppet show of, of wife abuse i, had, I was yeah. like what is happening yeah yeah I, I mean and this was clearly a very unique way not only to represent what they've gone through but also to tell the story but you know, it's not a insignificant piece of the episode. This is this sort of marionetted uh, version of what what happened, right? Um, you know, so I think that once this this airs, there'll be some really good conversation. I know, you know, we, we saw something that said um, that you know FX really purposely, intentionally did it did it this way, and and you know, got some of the best people in the world to help them do this. Um, so yeah, just I mean, just a very unique, never seen before way of telling a story like this. Yeah, and I thought the stuff with the puppets was was very well done. Yeah, and did open a way of telling that backstory really well. Mm-hmm. You know, um, certainly much better than you can imagine. Some other option like we're going to have a flashback and we're going to cast, you know, some other young woman to play the younger version of Dorothy. Dot Nadine, you know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and, and, and you could. It's almost like you you couldn't effectively show all the creepy stuff in the same sort of way without it feeling too. Yeah, a what I don't know what word to use. Too too icky. Too too bad. You know. Yeah, I also wonder. I I, mean, I don't necessarily think this would be the case. We've seen him do some pretty disgusting stuff this this season, but you know, John Ham saying. I don't want to do do those <laughs> things, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, and also then the the portrayal of him as a puppet mm-hmm. 
was interesting because you know it is a it, it didn't feel like John Hamm, but it was effective for what was going on yeah. insofar as what we were seeing was Dot's representation of Roy. Um, and and I think that insofar as that's what we're supposed to be getting here, yeah. getting through the puppets was more effective than any other option, really. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was a good way um, to do it. I was also sort of struck at how they portrayed Gator during that scene. Right. Right. The idea that we've seen this version of Gator for six episodes and him trying to display sort of sense of masculinity and power, but you know, when this sort of stuff was going on with Linda, apparently, while Nadine was in the house, he would go apparently to her for comfort it seemed like um now yeah, we see that in the puppet show yeah, yeah exactly. like resting his head on her lap and so on and so forth and it is worth thinking about that one yeah. point gator was a scared little boy yeah and still now he is he, actually he, we shouldn't say he is he, he, he's he, still he is scared he he is masking it or trying to mask it and he's trying to become more like his father every day it seems like but in the end it's he just He's afraid of that. He doesn't know how to do it. Maybe his incompetence is just a sense of actually, I don't want to be <laughs> who this guy is, but you know, you never know. Yeah, what does Dot say? She says something like, um, you can you can tell he wants to be good, but he wants to be like his dad more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so that's good. Well, let's jump to Gator and in the present. Um, <laughs> going after Munch, which was you know never a good plan. Um, got the tracker on the car, gets a nice big gun, <laughs> and actually, I realize now we we almost have to take a step back and work through some stuff with old Munch before we can properly talk about this, don't we? Oh yeah, right. Because the other guy, there's yeah. a question. The, another question that arose in this episode is Munch has called this older woman Mama. <laughs> Yeah. Um, which I took at face value. I I took at face value too, and she hadn't kicked him out. So apparently, we thought it was the real mama. And I still think maybe it is, but he just says, "I live here now." Yeah. Um. But this other guy shows up who calls her Ma. Yeah. Uh, who I think is pretty clearly her son. Yeah. You know, not not a nice guy. Definitely not. Uh, he's come around to take money from his mother, who like <laughs> doesn't have money, dude. Yeah. Um, and Munch uh, confronts him, or he confronts Munch, or both, and he's like demanding that Munch pay rent. Yeah. But th- this is the wrinkle to the question of whether this is really Munch's mother, because this guy does not seem to recognize old Munch at all. Right. Um. Munch gives him the roll of cash. It's like, yeah, same thing every month. Which it also it looks like way too much money. First <laughs> yep. uh, and then you know, Munch follows him uh, outside and kills him. Right? Yeah, I don't know. Does the the outside in the middle of the day with an axe seem like I don't know? Doesn't seem like a Munch thing to do. But he, I guess you don't you don't disrespect the uh, disrespect Mama like that. Well, that was interesting because he says. He's not paying rent. He says it's a trade. He says he, yeah, he right. says he's there to protect her. Mm-hmm. Right. So actually, he's he is doing what he's supposed to do. I guess yeah. protecting her from um, her asshole son. I guess hitting him with the axe in broad daylight. 
I don't know. It's very Fargo. Very much so. You know, it's very, it's like, you know, uh, Steve Buscemi, love the guy in the wood chip, chipper kind of feeling, you know? <laughs> yeah, um, when I put in our, our notes, this sort of, there was an ethic that felt very much like a Fargo episode. This scene uh, and the Gator scene, you know, this very beginning and sort of very end with Gator and, and Munch, the, the, those really felt like, yeah, we're, we're, we're back in movie Fargo, season one and two Fargo, very, very similar in tone. Yeah. So I felt like we had to hit on this first because when Gator shows up, mm -hmm. it would seem that Munch has put this guy's corpse in the rocking chair yes. and he's pulling it with a rope <laughs> in order to rock the chair right in front of the window, yep. which heavily implies that he knew Gator was coming. Yeah. I mean, he... <laughs> I don't think Gator is the toughest guy to figure out in, in the world, but... Uh... He the, the, Munch has certainly got the the schemes and the the plots necessary to to outsmart outsmart Gator. Whether he will with Roy or not, I'm not sure. But yeah, G Gator is G Gator is not long for us if if, if uh, we put the two of them up against each other. I wouldn't think so. But I, I again wonder. It's another question, sort of. Okay, well, so what exactly was Munch's plan here? <laughs> um, presumably, he saw the tracker on his car. That's not super hard. Yeah, you know, uh, and so he thinks, well, okay, this idiot put a tracker on my car, he's going to come after me. Mm -hmm. Um, and so decides to take the opportunity, um, to use this guy's corpse as, um, you know, a fake him, yep. put him right in front of the window. I mean, like, I guess this is making sense, but you don't know when Gator's coming and you're just going to sit there and pull a rope all night long, yeah, all night long. Like, okay, I'll allow it because the only other thing we've seen him do is sit in that rocking chair, um, like doing nothing. <laughs> you know? yeah, so, like, uh, okay, maybe so far so good, maybe. But so Gator shows up, right? We mentioned he's got a big gun, yes, and he thinks, aha, I got him, and he shoots the guy in the head through the window. Um, but then it seems that the money was still in the car, yeah. And he's starting to uh, rob the money from the car. And um, Mama shows up and says, ah, you thief, start beating him. And he knocks her over. She hits payment and dies. But then Munch comes out. So my, the question I'm trying to get at is, what, what was Munch's plan? Because I almost expected him to come out sooner. Like if he knew that the next move, if he left the money in the car on purpose. Yeah. Uh, it's like his plan, plan should have been come to come out and disrupt the attempt to break into the car, don't you think? That's exactly what I thought was going to happen, was as he's struggling to get the money out of the car, Munch comes up behind him, but then maybe he was going to and, and wasn't expecting Mama to be walking up at that you know that same time, doesn't want to do anything in front of her, doesn't want to put her in danger. Maybe that's happened, but I was with you. I expected him to come up at the same moment that, that Gator's trying to get the money out of the car. Yeah, okay. I mean, you're right, though, as they they intercut the shots. We knew mm -hmm. she was coming, or, you know, foreshadowing, as we saw her with yep. the, with her little push cart. Uh, we didn't see her, but we knew it was her because, <laughs> you know, there's a bunch of beer in there. All the beer, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and just like, obviously, it was going to be her. Anyway, so there, there was foreshadowing to that. I mean, maybe you're right in what you just said in the margins there, like that 
his plan was to come out while Gator was breaking into the car, but then he saw her approaching the house and wanted to wait for her to get into the house before he came out or something like yeah. that. I but, mean, it's the only thing that, that, that makes sense if you're going to set this trap or think that he's coming. Yeah, well, what what are you doing that for if you're not going to you know take advantage of the of his missed opportunity to go to go try and capture him or get him right yeah i think so because otherwise it's just weird um the ultimate consequence being that gator does get away with the money right mm -hmm. and then that couldn't have been much as planned that wouldn't make sense um but you know uh, Munch knows where he lives, and he knows where his father lives, and he knows where his father's family lives. And yeah, the man's not going to take kindly to this. And uh, he killed Mama, and it's it's. Uh... Yeah, I mean the the thing that, that I guess continues to bother me about this Gator situation is he continues to do the exact opposite of what his dad tells him to do. I mean, literally the exact opposite. Yeah, and. It, the dad just keeps, you know, okay, you know, you're you're a loser. You're, you know, we got to fix this now. And no, no sense of like you're done. You're you're, you're out of here. I mean, maybe this is the final straw. Who knows? But I mean, how much how much more this is really going to put up with? Yeah, right. I mean, I guess maybe it exemplifies in a certain way that kind of you know white male privilege or something <laughs> yeah. like this that Roy that Roy feel fully buys into, right? I mean, yeah. Season five of Fargo is not subtle. Right. And, right. I, and I've seen some people criticize it for that reason. I don't know if that's fair or not. I mean, you can criticize it. You want it to be more subtle. Okay. But it's not. <laughs> that's not what we're watching. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the first time we meet Roy Tillman, he's literally giving a speech about the divinely ordained validity of patriarchy. Mm -hmm. right um the natural order of things and so on right so yeah i agree from one point of view it doesn't make sense that roy keeps kind of forgiving gator and giving him more and more chances but from another point of view it kind of does because it's his son <laughs> and he's a man and he's the one to pass things down to and he's got to get right eventually you know come on yeah, what are you gonna do right like this is that, true. that gator can give cannot do something so wrong as to really fall out of his good graces like you tie right. it into that that whole kind of um worldview yeah no it's it, it's true i need i have an empire a literal army that's developing i have to have some kind of succession plan well and didn't he say something like his father and grandfather were sheriffs too yes. or something that's, yeah they're like, like a whole uh you know patrilineal thing going on here exactly but you are right to point out gator does just kind of <laughs> come on dan yeah no not that roy's a good guy but like yeah you could at least do what he says yeah i know, know? <laughs> um oh boy no that you but you you're right what you said earlier that this was a very very fargo piece of the of the episode i mean i i, I enjoyed it as much as as much as Gator just drives me mad for how incompetent he is, this is this is great. Um, just standard Fargo fare right here. Yeah, and I do, I do think I'm enjoying it more or appreciating it more, <laughs> yeah. retrospectively enjoying right. it more as we're right. talking through it. You know, but it was very, everything was very frustrating. 
yeah. but it clearly was on purpose, you know. Yeah. Um, one other little thing here, just to you know, hit on our friend Wayne. What do you think of his uh little seat at the car dealership? I mean, <laughs> I guess uh when you have half a brain, that logically makes sense. You're gonna give one car, you're gonna get a get, get another. Um I, I don't know. This uh I'm just I'm a little bit confused why they're taking him down this path. I mean, certainly narratively, the you know what happened to him fit within what you know happened in her house on Halloween night, but just sort of why they're setting him up in these scenes where he's just it, it's almost like he's not there, but then when he sits down with Scotty in the bed, he's like got this creativity going, he's got this emotion going, he's got everything you know about him. And so I don't, I wasn't sure how to connect those, those two things. Like, is he, is he here? Is he who he was before? Is he not? You know, I just, it's, 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 I need some, a little bit of continuity there, I think. Yeah. It is a little odd. Or, I mean, as you say, there's a question of what they're doing with it. I don't know yeah. if it's at all realistic either. Yeah. It, you know, it kind of seems like after he was electrocuted, um, he is, <sighs> Like, uh, it's not, I think this relates to what you're saying. It's not that he's just wholly um, stupid or something, but he's like a naive little child of a man. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And get a car, give him a car. car. (laughs) It's in the Bible. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> just just random short note. Great accent work by the car salesman in the in that scene. Yeah. Very, very Minnesotan. It's like what? what? <laughs> um, and but so I think I do think it's interesting in this regard that if we're thinking about what Wayne was like before mm-hmm. that accident, we call it that he's electrocuted. Yeah. Um, we can think about what's the difference, you know, and. Um, in a weird way, he strikes me now as more confident mm. than he was before. Yeah, that's true. Just sort of the sense of subservience is gone. He just sort of, I feel what I feel. And so I'm going to s- express that. I'm going to say it. I'm going to do whatever it is. Um, instead of, I mean, even something as simple as instead of relying on a book and the words that they tell me to say i'm going to come up with my own story right when he sits down with scotty scotty at night so yeah it could be that this has turned him into a new person yeah so i mean i think potentially if we're speculating about the narrative yeah. wayne might be really important here because we're thinking about all these characters and everything is or most of them are all like very cynical power yeah. grabbing you know all these machinations and a lot of bad faith and all of yeah. this you know and um they're kind of shaping up Wayne as this like naive warrior of good faith, <laughs> potentially, I think. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious to see what they do with that. Yeah, I, I very much am as well. Um, j- just a a interesting segue or tangent from from this performance here by David Rizdahl. I just was looking up his IMDb page. He did something recently for FX on Hulu, a movie called No Exit. Okay. He was sort of a very um, creepy, unlikable character named Lars in that movie. So I just thought the pair of those interesting with Lars and Fargo here and and, yeah. and Rizdal's Lars. Yeah. 
But no Lars in this episode. We don't pick up no Lars either, um, <laughs> or Lorraine, or you know. So I think in a meaningful way, this episode and the last episode were kind of a pair. Yeah. Um, insofar as in episode six, Dot was absent, and yeah. then here in episode seven, it's really Dot centric, and we don't check in with um, yeah. other characters at all. Um, and wait, I think. No, Munch was in episode six, but not in episode five. Anyway, whatever. Yeah. You know, the narrative works. You don't necessarily have to see everyone every episode. It'll all come <laughs> back around, I'm sure, eventually. Yeah, no, I, you, you're right. I, I had some questions, had some uh, frustrations with this episode, but talking through is going to help you understand maybe in the big picture how some of this fits in. Yeah, I, I do. I mean, I think that it's okay, so... Yeah, we'll see where we go from here. <laughs> it's really, it really does stick in my gut in a painful way that yeah. we get the ending of Roy coming into her hospital room. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, you and I both, I think, are are even though we have them, are are sort of going doing this week to week to try to you know stick with the experience of what it's like to. To watch this, yeah, that one was very difficult to say stop and not, not go. Yeah, on. like oh, wow, man. I mean, but that's entirely in narrative terms. Like it's really yeah. this is what they're doing to us, you know. Um, and he like he like grabs her wrist and says, "I got you, I got you." Yeah. Oh, so I think we were talking last week about well, what does Roy want to do with her? Exactly. Uh, I think we have a somewhat clearer idea based on this week. But it's right in line, probably, with um, what I was suggesting last week about it being really, really dark. Yes. And, like, that needs to not be what happens now. So let's see what happens now. Yeah. And you always kind of expected, okay, the goons are going after Dot. Gator's going after Dot. She can get away from the police. Now it's it's Roy. So what does she do? How does this... I mean, clearly we're not culminating in the next episode. We've got three left. So what happens here? Um, I'm very interested to find out. Yeah. Yeah. And then how does Munch factor in? Who one can only presume (laughs) is all out to kill Gator. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe also Roy. Yeah. It would not surprise me one bit. I mean, somebody's going to die. In the, in oh, I mean, yeah, someone's going to die. You know? I mean, look, it, it, it doesn't mean that old Munch is going to win either. Right. You know? He's going to try to go kill Gator and maybe also Roy. Yes. So Gator's going to die or Roy's going to die or both or Munch is going to die or everyone's going to die. Right. <laughs> like it's possible that at the end of this, everyone's going to die and Wade and Scotty go out for ice cream. Like it's possible. Dude. Yeah, ex- that's exactly right. I, I, yeah, that, that seems very logical for this. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Um, But okay, I think that about does it for this week. Hopefully you yeah. enjoyed the episode and enjoyed listening to uh, the podcast here. Happy holidays to everyone. And um, we'll be back next week um, for our first podcast of 2024. Yes. Talking about uh, the next episode of Fargo, season five, episode eight. Uh, I guess it's called The Blanket, or, or just no. Blanket. Just Blanket. Just Blanket. Um, and we'll be back to our usual plan there and talk about the news of the week and so on and so forth. Um, so thanks for listening. Please leave a good review if you're so inclined. Um, check out the website, tdobsessive.com. You can follow us on 
social media if you want to do that. Uh, where we also have a YouTube channel if you want to go there and uh, get the podcast through YouTube with pretty bouncing bars that you can look at. That's right. You listen. So it's kind of enjoyable. Um, and uh, yeah, think about it. that about does it for this week. All right. Happy holidays, Cameron, and everyone out there. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. All right. right. See you next year. That's right. <laughs>